Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting over episode 1 of Kill la Kill. If you'd like to watch along, start watching now. So, we start off in a school, and the first thing that's really going on is sort of a lecture on the rise to power of the Nazis in 1930s Germany. That's, um, I'd say that's a fair bit of foreshadowing. Because almost immediately, the, the door is kicked open by a jackbooted thug. And interestingly enough, like, this guy's a student, but even the teacher bows down to him out of fear. So, in rather authoritarian fashion, you know, he demands that, like, the guilty party immediately come forward in front of everyone else. And regardless of whether or not they are actually guilty, you know, things are clearly not going to end well for him. So here we're sort of introduced to, I guess, one of the major plot elements the Goku uniforms are essentially clothes that empower the wearer. So this otherwise fairly dumpy looking student, once he puts on the uniform, you know, he's able to dodge this whip effortlessly. Of course, he only managed to steal a one-star uniform whereas the disciplinary committee chair is wearing a three-star uniform. So the number of stars is indicative of the potency of the uniform. And some of the dialogue seems to indicate that the Goku uniforms are almost like a weapon or otherwise experimental technology. Because they, they sort of indicate that the student that stole the uniform might be a spy, so it seems like that they're fairly sensitive. So, Kill a Kill is kind of interesting because it almost seems to take a more literal stance on that anime trope where the student council has more authority than they otherwise would in real life, but by making it incredibly literal because the student council president has created the laws of this school. And when she speaks, she sort of... She makes three sort of contradictory statements 
that are very similar to uh, a couple of phrases from 1984. And even if it's kind of schlocky in some of its presentation, I think there's a, a fair amount of interesting stuff that Kill la Kill puts forward. You know, maybe calling it art is uh, a bit of an overstatement, but it's not mindless. And there's some nice visual storytelling here, because here we have the main character down at the bottom of a vast hill, and Hanoji Academy is up at the very summit, and it's a sort of, um, I guess, a statement of how the status quo currently is. So this scene serves to tell the audience that Ryuko is pretty savvy and streetwise. So despite being in a rather shady part of town and these, you know, I guess wannabe street punks are hassling her, Ryuka really doesn't care much about it. Of course, they are just kids after all. I guess it's more of like a product of a bad environment sort of thing than them being actually bad. So we're sort of introduced to all the the weird and wacky characters of Honotown. We're also introduced to the the tyranny of Honoji Academy. Because that thief is sort of strung up outside of the academy having been beaten severely. So already Ryuko has made a friend, regardless of how how much she actually cares. You know, the, the situation doesn't seem to be up to her. 
So Ryuko is immediately starting to ask some of the hard questions. And it seems she really doesn't care about getting an education, but rather getting answers regarding Honoji Academy. So through a little exposition, we sort of get an idea of the hierarchy of Hanoji Academy. Students with better grades get Goku uniforms of varying grades, and the student council has the three-star. And even above them, there's Satsuki Kiryuin, the president, who is undisputed. She's treated almost like royalty by the student council. Like, everybody, if they aren't fanatically loyal to her, they at least fear her enough to feign it. So now the plot starts to thicken. Ryuko has half of a giant pair of scissors, and Ryuko seems to think that Sasuke would have answers regarding it. So based on this little interaction here, we have a nice bit of juxtaposition. Ryuko's very hot-blooded, whereas Sasuke is very aloof. They sort of play off each other interestingly. Ryuko's also highly impetuous. You know, she often charges into trouble without really knowing the situation considering the captain of the boxing club has to sort of explain Goku uniforms to her. So Ryuko seems to have bitten off a fair bit more than she can chew. You know, she didn't really seem to realize the gulf that exists between those with and without Goku uniforms. She might be fairly competent with her scissor blade, but if she's not fighting someone on her level, which is to say without a uniform, you know, the odds aren't looking very good for her. She also appears very attached to the scissor blades at this point for reasons that aren't entirely clear. And the threat of taking them away is enough to really incense her.
So the plot thickens slightly as the uh, the homeroom teacher appears to have witnessed the entire confrontation. So it seems like already the uh, the student council is busy at work on trying to remedy the situation. Some of them are butting heads, some of them are digging up intel. So while the council is talking... Satsuki lets it drop that the scissor blade is a weapon designed to combat Goku uniforms. So, truly, that weapon poses a singular threat to Hunoji Academy if they rely on their Goku uniforms for their military might. But meanwhile, Ryuko's heading back to this old burned-out house. And it appears to be hers. And based on what she's saying, it was destroyed along with her father's apparent death. So now the plot's really thickening, because Ryuko intimated that Satsuki was involved, and now that homeroom teacher is... uh subtly pushing events along from behind the scenes. So interestingly enough, Ryuko doesn't seem too familiar with this part of what was ostensibly her own house. And also interestingly, her having blood on a pile of clothing has woken up something in the basement. Seems to be a sort of uh, living sailor uniform. So now the plot's really thickening, because the sailor uniform, obviously, you know, clothes don't talk. So that's interesting in and of itself, but it's also a perfect fit for Ryuko. And, you know, clothes don't just fit. You know, the difference between clothes you buy off rack and clothes you have tailored is uh, pretty significant. Like... It's not something you realize until you do it, just because, like, 
the variety of shapes a human body can take is quite staggering. So the captain of the boxing club has resorted to uh, underhanded tactics. He's taken Mako hostage in order to draw out Ryuko so that he can redeem himself for his indiscretion earlier. Mako seems relatively unconcerned about the peril of her situation. But I guess considering how out there she seems in literally every other situation, I guess it's to be expected. So just like they thought, Ryuko has in fact returned to rescue her friend. Although unlike before, she wears a big cloak that covers her entire body. So now Ryuko is fighting the captain of the boxing club for real. Although, interestingly, he seems to be much less effective than previously. So his punches tear off the cloak to reveal what Ryuko is wearing underneath, and it's um it's rather skimpy to put it mildly. You know, it bears a passing resemblance to the sailor uniform from before, but far, far less covering. So now the captain of the boxing club is getting serious. He's taken off the soft gloves, so to speak, to show the true form of his Goku uniform, which looks considerably gnarlier than the, uh, the large boxing gloves that they were before. So it's become clear that 
the clothes Ryuko is wearing are certainly not ordinary by any means, as the boxing glove shattered upon impact with it. So members of the student council seem to think that what Ryuko is wearing is a Goku uniform of sorts, but it sort of defies the appearance of the other Goku uniforms seen thus far. You know, it's different color, it's obviously much skimpier, and it lacks any star iconography to indicate its relative level of power. So now that Ryuko is actually fighting back, rather than just tanking the punches, she's able to handily beat this guy. You know, three hits is really all it takes. So not only does she defeat this guy, but when she slashes him with the scissor blade, it sort of shreds the Goku uniform and one little bit of thread is extracted and absorbed into the suit she's wearing. So at this point, Sasuke is more intrigued than outraged. And she's willing to talk to Ryuko. At least at this point. So now the plot thickens. The scissor blade was left behind by her father's killer. So it seems to me that there is a third party here that's not yet accounted for. Because, at least in my mind, it doesn't make sense that the people who make Goku uniforms would also create a weapon that's so potent at getting rid of them. Or at least... Well, perhaps they would develop something like that, but it seems odd that they would also leave it behind at the scene of a crime. Alright, so next episode, 
the plot continues. Ryuko sort of has to contend with other assassins from Hanoji Academy in her quest to discover the truth. But that's a matter for another time. If you've enjoyed this episode, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy. <laughs>